Welcome to the Crouch and Players Vintage Radio Theatre Archive. Today's episode is from our first ever Vintage Radio performance in 2012. Based on the stories by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Sherlock Holmes and the Adventure of the Tolling Bell. Now once, a time, once again, it's time to keep our regular appointment with our good friend and host, Dr. Watson. Good afternoon, Dr. Watson. Good afternoon, Mr. Broughton. As usual, you're punctual to the minute. Pull up a chair and make yourself comfortable. Thank you. That's it. I see that you have the old black tin dispatch box out again, Dr. Watson. I deduced that you were going over your notes on tonight's case. Elementary, my dear boy. Among the records, I came across some notes of some cases I'd almost forgotten. The shocking death of Crosby the banker, the Adultine tragedy, and some data on the unusual contents of the ancient British pharaoh. Those stories sound pretty intriguing, Dr. Watson. I shall tell them to you some other time, Mr. Broughton. Today, I'm going to recount an adventure that took place in the heart of the beautiful English countryside. I call it... The Adventure of the Tolling Bell. Well, that story began in a small country village of Conforth. Holmes had recently brought to a successful conclusion the affair of the Barrow and Furnace wheelchair murders. And we decided a few days rest in nearby Conforth would do us good before returning to our arduous life on Baker Street. We were staying in a small but comfortable inn. Only on the morning of the third day, I remember, Holmes and I were in our bedroom, waiting for those two essentials without which an English country gentleman could not start his day. An early morning cup of tea and a jug of hot water for shaving. As we sat there at the open window, a nearby church bell was tolling a funeral knell. There must be a funeral in the village, Holmes. An astonishing deduction, Watson. There's no need to make fun of me. Impressive sound, isn't it? I suppose so. Has it ever occurred to you, Watson, that the history of bells is full of romantic interest? Well, I can't say that I've thought much about it. Almost every historical event has been accompanied by the sound of bells. They summon soldiers to arms as well as Christians to church. Many a bloody chapter has been rung in and out by bells. You seem to be a mine of information on the subject. Yes, Watson. It's a fascinating subject. Come in, come in. Good morning, my dear. Pardon me, gentlemen. I brought your tea and your shaving water. Mrs. Mickle said to say your breakfast will be ready in half an hour. Splendid, Mary. Oh, Mary, the church bell is tolling a funeral knell. Do you know who's being buried? That I do, sir. I wish it were me. It'll be my turn soon. Poor little thing. I wonder what's the matter with her. I have no idea. Perhaps her father or mother just died. Or a young man. Yes, I bet that's it. She's a pretty girl. She'd obviously been crying when she came in. Perhaps that's her fiancé they're burying now. Watson, you have the sentimental imagination of a true storyteller. But we've come here for a holiday. 
so you must give your imagination a rest too. So drink your tea, remove your whiskers, and we'll get downstairs and investigate those kippers. You liked your kippers, gentlemen. Excellent, Mrs. Mickle, excellent. Never eaten better. Yes, indeed. By the way, Mrs. Mickle, we heard the funeral bell tolling earlier on. Do you know who was being buried? Oh, yes, I do. Two souls were being buried, and one of them was a murderer. A murderer? Lord, in this peaceful village? What happened, Mrs. Mickle? Old Threadgold, the corn merchant, he found his wife had been gallivanting around with a young fellow from Bolton. Cut her throat, he did, and then he hanged himself. Morty. Thank you. Shocking. So, the peaceful countryside is not as peaceful as it's made out to be, Holmes. A fact I frequently had occasion to point out to you, Watson. Has the morning post arrived yet, Mrs. Mickle? Here comes old Gilly up the path with it now. I'll see if he's got anything for you. A murder? What do you make of it, Holmes? What is there to make of it, Watson? A jealous husband murders a faithless wife and then commits suicide. A tragic story, but a simple one. Top of the morning to you, gentlemen. Good morning, Gillian. Any letters for me today? I, Mr. Holmes, two letters. One of them's got some newspaper clippings in it, I think. And you've got a postcard from a Mr. Lestrade. He wants you back in London bad, Mr. Holmes. There you are. Pardon me, Gilly. You've been reading Mr. Holmes's private correspondence. <sighs> Bless your heart, Dr. Watson. If I didn't read other people's correspondence, how would I know what's going on in the village? Mm, you were right, Gilly. It is newspaper clippings. And, by the way, you heard about the murder of Mrs. Threadgold, I suppose? Heard about it? I told the bell at the funeral this morning. Did you say that you're the bell ringer as well as the postman? Bless your heart, yes, Doctor. President of the Choral Society, too, as well as being on the parish council. You're a busy man, Gillian. That I am, sir. Take this afternoon now. I'm to ring those bells again. Not another funeral, surely? No, sir. A wedding this time. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. Young St. Perry is marrying the Slater girl, and you might say I'm responsible for bringing them together. Got some of their letters mixed up, I did. They looked each other up to exchange them, and presto. Before you know what's happening, they're getting married. Regular Cupid, you might say I am. Be off with you, Gilly. Other people want their letters. Mr. Holmes doesn't want his kippers spoiled with your idle chatter. All right, Mrs. Crabapples and Vinegar. Ach, One of these days you'll smile and the world will come to an end. Good day, gentlemen. Oh, talkative old busybody he is. Oh, Mr. Holmes, Mrs. Lackland's in the hall. The poor old lady is most anxious to speak to you. Mrs. Lackland? She has the seamstress shop on the high street. Her only son ran away from home a few months back. I think that's what she wants to speak to you about. Oh, but my friend's here for a rest, Mrs. Mickle. I told her that, Doctor. 
But she won't go away without seeing Mr. Holmes. Oh, very well. Ask her to come in, please, Mrs. Mickle. Yes, Mr. Holmes. I wouldn't bother to see her, Holmes. Sounds like a trivial matter. The disappearance of an only son can never be a trivial matter. Well, I meant trivial for you, not for her. This is Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson, dear. Thank you, Emmy. Good morning, sirs. Good morning. Good morning. Please sit down, Mrs. Lackland. That's it. Now, what's the trouble? Tom I haven't seen hide nor hair of him since. You've had no message from him since he left? Not one word. I'm fair out of my mind, sir. Have you any idea of his reason for leaving the village, Mrs. Lackland? None, sir. He was a good boy, and he worked hard, and he didn't fool around with those flibbity-jibbit girls in the village. I think he's met with foul play, gentlemen. And I want you to find out about him for me, Mr. Holmes. I've heard say in the village that you're the greatest detective in England. Mrs. Lackland, I'll be glad to help you. But you've given me no clues to work with. I'm afraid that I If it's money you want, I've got 20 pounds in my post office savings. It's all yours if you can bring my Tommy home to me. Or at least tell me he's safe. Mrs. Lackland, I wouldn't dream of accepting a fee. However, I shall give your problem some thought. If I arrive at any conclusions... I'll get in touch with you at once. Oh, God bless you, Mr. Holmes. Good morning to you, sirs. Good day. Good morning, Mrs. Lackland. Poor old thing. I don't see how you can help her, Holmes. Nor do I, at the moment. But a young man who has grown up in a small village like this may have led a life that his mother is totally unaware of. You said that you have to work on one of your stories today, Watson. Yes, I had a letter from the editor of Strand Magazine yesterday, requesting a manuscript as soon as possible. Splendid. Then you must stay at the inn and work on your latest masterpiece, while I scour the village to see what may be found out about the missing young man. There you are, Holmes. I was beginning to think you'd got lost. Hello, Watson. I trust you had profitable session with pen and paper. I got about half a chapter done. I would have done more if it hadn't been for those infernal bells. The wedding ceremony that the worthy Gillian told us about this morning. Oh, I'm tired. What did you find out about Mrs. Lackland's son? Among other things, that he had a secret love life unknown to his mother. And the object of his affections was none other than the maid who brought us our tea this morning. Mary? Did you talk to her? No, it's her half day off and I was unable to find her. But I shall question her when she brings our tea tomorrow morning. Come in, Mary. Oh, Mrs. Mickle. Good morning, gentlemen. Here's your tea and shaving water. Where's Mary this morning? She didn't come to work. Must be ill again. Not a reliable girl. And no better than she ought to be, if you ask me. It's no job for me to be carrying tea and hot water upstairs. I hear the village bell tolling for another funeral. Does Conforth have a burial every morning? I really don't see how the population can run to it. It's a 
another suicide, sir. Another suicide? Good Lord. Or John Letterby, the baker. He was expecting some money from his son in Australia. It never came. And they foreclosed on his shop. And he hanged himself. Will you be wanting a couple of boiled eggs with your breakfast, gentlemen? No, no, I haven't much of an appetite, thank you very much. Yes, sir. That woman seems absolutely heartless. She almost smacks her lips when she tells us about these tragedies. Yes, Watson, I noticed it. This peaceful village is becoming to seem strangely sinister to me. And since you have no appetite for breakfast, perhaps you'll join me in a little excursion as soon as you're dressed. Of course. Where are we going? To see the maid, Mary. I'm anxious to talk to her before another funeral bell begins to toll. This must be the cottage. They said it was the one with honeysuckle over the gate. Yes. And there's Mary sitting on the porch. Ah, she's got up. She's coming up the path to meet us. Good morning, Mary. I'm sorry you're not feeling very well. Mr. Holmes, Dr. Watson, why have you come here? Not to ask about me health. Why should a servant girl matter to gentlemen like you? Oh, you've misjudged us, my dear. I assure you that we have... No, Watson. Let's be honest and admit we didn't come here because of our concern for Mary's health. Then why did you come here, sir? Mrs. Lackland asked me to try and find her son, Tom. Tom? Yes, Tom Lackland. I thought you might be able to help me, Mary. If, if I could help you, Mr. Holmes, I'd be helping myself too. Oh, here comes Gilly, the postman. Gilly, Gilly, is there a letter for me today? No, lass. There's nothing for you again. There must be. There must be, Gilly. No, lass. If the letter would come, I'd bring it as fast as my legs would carry me. You know that. Morning, Mr. Holmes. Dr. Watson. Left some letters at the infield, Doctor. You had a letter from a lady. How did you know it was from a lady? Reeked with the smell of violets, it did. And it was written in green ink on grey paper, sir. Amazing deduction. That sounds like your young friend from Dalis, Watson. How did... I don't have a young friend from Dalis, Holmes. Quite. Gilly, you told another funeral bell today, didn't you? Aye, sir. And a tragic thing it was. Old Letterby hanged himself because he didn't get any money from his son in Australia. I found him, I did. I was the one to cut him down. And right in my postbag was the letter he was waiting for. The letter that would have saved his life. Great Scott! What a ghastly piece of irony! That it was, sir. That it was. Well, gentlemen, I'll be on my way. Good day. Good day, Mary. Perhaps the letter will arrive tomorrow. No, I'll never hear from Tom now. He's ashamed of me. That's why he deserted me. Deserted you, Mary? You speak almost as if you were his wife. I am his wife. What? We were married secretly and watched it five months ago come Tuesday. And he never told his mother? He was afraid to. 
She thought I was beneath him. Tom said he'd go away and get a good job and then return here and fetch me back with him. He went away all right, but he never come back or sent me a word. When he left, did he give no clues to his destination? No hints of any kind, Mary? Wait, he did once say, Mary, I'm going to clear out this puddle and make me fortune, even if I have to bury it. And then he said, bury me fortune? Ha, that's a joke, isn't it? I don't know what he meant by it. I think I do, Mary. Watson, we're taking a short train journey as soon as possible. Oh, where are we going, may I ask? We're going to the town of Berry in search of this young lady's husband. What makes you think Tom might be in Berry, Mr. Rose? Because the famous Fortune Cotton Mills are in Berry. It would seem possible that when your husband joked at burying his fortune, he was talking of going to the mills there. Wherever he's gone, he, he won't be coming back for me. I know that. Now, 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 now. Don't talk like that, my dear. Remember, you have friends, Mrs. Lackland. How much longer is Holmes going to be? He leaves me standing outside the factory gates as if I were a plastic coachman. Ah, there he is. Holmes! Holmes! Permit me to introduce you to Mr. Tom Lackland. Tom, this is Dr. Watson. How do you do, Dr. Watson? How do you do? Never mind how I do, young fellow me lad. How do you do? Your behaviour has been absolutely shocking. Shocking! Now what are you talking about? Leaving your dear old mother and deserting your pretty little bride because you're ashamed of her? You're a scoundrel, sir. You deserve a good horse-whipping, and I have a good mind to give it to you. I don't know what you're talking about, Dr. Watson, but I don't like what you're saying. If it's violence you want, I'll have you know that I am the amateur heavyweight champion of the county. You are? Well, no need to become aggressive. Let's not waste time on being acrimonious, Watson. Let's get back to the station as fast as we can. The return of the prodigal is long overdue. We must give them every opportunity to kill the fatted calf. Ah, there's Mary's house. I can't wait. I'm dying to see her. And after this reunion, Tom, I suggest that you both go over and see your mother. I'm sure she'll forgive you. Yes, Mr. Holmes, I'll do that. Perhaps we should have warned her. Your sudden appearance may be something of a shock. I think it's a shock that Mary can handle. She must be out. The door's locked. Knock again if you don't mind. She may be asleep. Great heavens! That was a revolver shot. Come on, Watson. Help me break in the door. Now, Dr. Watson, that was a fine place to break off your story. You left me right on the edge of a cliff. Had the young girl shot herself? She shot 
at herself, Mr. Broughton, but fortunately, her last-minute lack of courage had made her shot go wild. Holmes and I and the young bridegroom burst into the house and rescued the smoking revolver from her hand. I must confess, the reunion between the two young lovers was a touching sight. In fact, I felt considerably older than I was as Holmes and I stood there listening to Tom reassuring her. Mary, darling, it's all right. I'm here. Oh, Tom, you are. You did come back for me. I thought you never would. I, I tried to kill myself, but, but I hadn't the courage. There, there, Mary. Everything's going to be all right. It will be, Tom, won't it? Oh, I'm, I'm so tired. And now, Tom, I think the time has come to reassure Mary that you did write to her. Of course I did, Mary, darling. I sent money. And I said I'd be back here to take you to Bury as soon as I'd saved up enough. You wrote to me, Twice Tom? Twice a week, and I wrote to Mother, too. Then, then why didn't I get the letters? The answer to that should be obvious, my dear. Gilly the postman deliberately withheld them from you. Gilly? Great heavens! Why? I have my suspicions. Strong suspicions. But I have to get proof. Tell me, Mary, the day before yesterday... Mr. Threadgold murdered his wife. Do you know how he learned of her infidelity? Well, I'm not sure. But I did hear Mrs. Mickle say it was through some letters that got mixed up. The letters addressed to her were delivered to his office instead of at the ass. Gilly again. Precisely. Surely the whole terrible pattern begins to take shape. Tom? Yes, Mr. Holmes? I'm going to lay a trap. To spring it, I shall need your assistance. Of course, Mr. Holmes. I'll do anything. Wait here with Mary until darkness falls. Then muffle yourselves up and go to your mother's house. Wait there in hiding and let no outsiders see you until you hear from me. Since you two lovebirds have been separated for four months, I don't imagine that will be too unpleasant. Quiet, Watson. You understand, Tom? I do, Mr. Holmes. Good. Come along, Watson. What's your plan, Holmes? I'll tell you as we go. One thing I can promise you. Before the sun is very high tomorrow, I shall free this village from one of the most subtly evil powers I've ever come in contact with. Good morning, Dr. Watson. Mr. Holmes. Good morning, Mrs. Mickle. Good morning. I always said that Mary was a no-good girl. And now, she's killed herself. But of course, I had to come to her funeral. That's very uh, charitable, Mrs. Mickle, I must say. In any case, the vicar says that the poor girl was of unsound mind. Yes, madam. You can't blame her. Well, I'll be going into the church now. Holmes, this farce is beginning to get on my nerves. What are we accomplishing by burying an empty coffin? You'll soon see, old chap. Come on, let's slip into the vestry. This way. Where are we going, Holmes? Up the stairs that lead to the belfry. Here they are. Well, supposing Gilly turns nasty when he finds out we know his secret. Then we must handle him to the best of our ability, Watson. 
I must say I do not relish the thought of a tussle high in the belfry of a church. The man must be insane. Obviously. That's why his power must be destroyed. Ah. This door apparently leads to the belfry. Keep your wits about you, Watson. Good morning, Gilly. Mr. Holmes, Dr. Watson. You've come to see me at work. That's nice of you. Not often I get company up here. We haven't come up here to see you at work, Gilly. We know your diabolical work only too well. Yes, Gilly. We know your secret. What secret's that? You're mad with power, Gilly. You've tried to control the destiny of this village. In your position as postman, you thought you'd have the power to give life and death. That I am, sir. And it's a great power. It makes a man feel good. Almost like a god, you might say. That's sacrilege, you scoundrel. You were responsible for the murder of Mrs. Threadgold. Aye, sir, that I was. And for the old man hanging himself. You were responsible for John Letterby's suicide, weren't you? That I was. Letterby tried to vote me off the village council. I swore I'd make him pay. And I did. Your reign is over, Gillian. You'll never toll a bell again. The only one you'll hear will be a prison bell. You can't touch me, Mr. Holmes. You've got no proof. There's nothing you can do. Don't be too sure. I have enough influence to take your job away. You? You? You take my job away? Take me away from my bells? I live for these bells. You wouldn't take me away from them. You couldn't live without the power they give you, could you, Gilly? You're trying to destroy me. You are already destroyed, Gilly. Yes. You've already failed. Mary is alive. Uh, alive? But the coffin they're burying down there... Is full of stone. You'll be the laughing stock of the village, Gilly. They'll never laugh at Gilly. You can't catch me, Mr. Holmes. I'm beyond you still. He's running up the ladder leading to the bell tower. Come back, Gilly. Come back. He's mad as a hatter. Quite. What's he going to do up there? He might set fire to the steeple. Could make any madness. I'm going to fetch him, Holmes. No, Watson. He drew a knife as he fled. And with that rickety staircase and the narrow opening leading to the bell chamber, you'll never stand a chance. He'll get you on the first ledge. Well, how are we going to get him down? There's only one way. He's in a tiny loft containing his beloved bells. We all see how much he loves them at close quarters. I doubt even he can stand the noise in that confined space. Now, where's that bell rope? Come down, Gilly. Come down from there. Stop. Stop ringing my bells. Not until you come down, Gilly. Stop ringing them. I can't stand it. You'll make me mad. You are mad, Gilly. Mad with power. Come down here, I say. I'm coming. <laughs> Great heavens. He hurled himself out of the belfry. Holmes, he hasn't a chance of surviving that fall. I had no intention of causing that unhappy man to jump to his death, Watson. Though I can't help but feel that his poor, demented mind may find a happier oblivion this way than in the confines of an asylum. Yes, you're probably right, Holmes. It's been a shocking case, Watson. Shocking. And once again, it pulls the old saying that violence does indeed recall upon the violent. And the schemer falls into the pit 
which he digs for another. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Crouching Players podcast. Please subscribe, leave us a review and spread the word. You can also find us on social media and our website, crouchandplayers.co.uk. We look forward to entertaining you again soon.